On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Elon Musk offers up a small update on the Cybertruck. He also makes good on his promise to offer Tesla Kila, and the results are shockingly impressive. Plus, 5G may be on its way to new build Teslas sooner rather than later, and more. What's happening, friends? Welcome to a little mini milestone episode 275 here of Ride the Lightning, the weekly Tesla unofficial podcast for November 8th, 2020. Daisy the Boxer hanging out next to me on the couch as usual. Well, a couple of fun little things to start the show with before I get into the proper news, although I guess these are mini news items in and of themselves. A fun new t-shirt is now available at shop.tesla.com, Tesla's online store. It is the Ha Ha Yes shirt, which is making a fun, lighthearted shirt out of the order confirmation screen when you place your car order. I have to say, though, so I, I bought one instantly with, like, barely even looking at it. It's like, oh, yep, that seems fun. Totally want that. It arrived, and I, <laughs> without pay paying close enough attention, uh, on the website I learned the hedgehog with the Ha Ha Yes is on the back. I didn't even realize it when I ordered it. on the front. It just says it just has the T-E-S-L-A in, in black. It's a white T-shirt. Tesla on the front. Haha, ha, yes, with the hedgehog on the back. I would have preferred the hedgehog on the front. But, hey, beggars can't be choosers, I guess. Still a fun shirt. So if you're interested in that, head on over to shop.tesla.com. Now, speaking of new products on the online Tesla shop... The Tesla Tequila, a.k.a. Tesla Kila, which it's not officially called, probably for some legal or trademark reason, but Tesla Tequila is finally real, and it is spectacular. Uh, and I'm not talking about the taste necessarily. I hope it is, but I haven't had a chance to sample it yet. Although, to be honest with you, I actually don't... I drink a little beer and wine occasionally. I, I don't even drink tequila, but I have to say, I bought one anyway, probably against my better judgment. Um, you know what it is? I have to say, I feel like I kind of missed out on the not a flamethrower. So I thought, you know what? I'm not going to miss out on this one. But anyway, the reason that I succumbed to that whim and spent that money that I probably shouldn't have is, the again, the presentation of this it is incredible. Again, I am the the opposite of a tequila connoisseur. I don't know anything about it. Uh, but I have never seen packaging for a tequila bottle or really any other beverage like this in my life. It's designed. The, the bottle and the packaging of the Tesla tequila was designed by Franz von Holzhausen's Tesla design team. <laughs> like the, the auto designers designed the bottle. So... Uh, it is a lightning bolt. The glass bottle that houses the tequila is a literal lightning bolt. It's a 750 milliliter uh, worth of alcohol. And it has a fancy base stand that appears to be metal that the lightning bolt sits in. And it's the top point of the lightning bolt that pulls off straight up if you want to pour the tequila. So it's... Uh, the whole thing, $250, and uh, it's available in limited quantities. Hopefully, it's going to come back around again soon because it sold out within a couple of hours. I was lucky enough to be on Twitter and somebody posted about it, so I jumped right on there and, again, kind of gave into that whim, uh, <laughs> which I really shouldn't because I'm not even going to drink it. I, I don't think I don't I think I'm just gonna use it as like if if I ever do video with this podcast it's someday you know I have no plans to do that because it's I gotta maintain a, a work life ride the lightning balance um, but that would make a good set dressing but I think I will just I just want to display it like it does look really cool uh, it wasn't available in every country. In fact, it wouldn't even ship to every U.S. state, which I assume is a regulatory shipping of alcohol thing rather than 
anything else. But but again, it yeah, it's sold out in just a couple of hours. So I will once it arrives, which it's due to arrive sometime before the end of the year. So basically, in the next month and a half or so, the next six weeks. I will certainly describe it to you and and uh, see if it's as impressive in person as it is in the pictures. Now, you can go, again, you can go look at those pictures, and I very much encourage you to do so. I posted one on my Instagram, which is DMC underscore Ryan, or you can just go for more high-res uh, photos to shop.tesla.com. Now, the description of it is this, quote, Introducing Tesla Tequila, an exclusive premium 100% de agave tequila añejo aged in French oak barrels featuring a dry fruit and light vanilla nose with a balanced cinnamon pepper finish produced by Nosotros Tequila and fulfilled by Speakeasy Co. Uh, So that is the description there. Now, what this instantly reminded me of once this became real, the thing is it's... The track record with Elon and Tesla with this stuff now is such that I'm not surprised in the slightest that this actually became real. Because just, again, a friendly reminder of how fun this company has been over the years, which is one of a thousand reasons why I love Tesla and I root for them and I support them and I'm a customer of theirs and I do this podcast every week for 275 weeks in a row. But... This is this is the latest in a line of super fun, just completely off the wall products that have nothing to do with cars or with with sustainable energy. So we had the kids Tesla from Radio Flyer. That one's still available. We had the Tesla surfboard. That was limited. That went quick. We have the Tesla short shorts, which have finally shipped out. Uh, so you've got, and of course, remember they cost sixty nine dollars. And 42.0 cents as, a, as an added goof. Now we've got the Tesla tequila. And then, of course, most famously, not d- direct Tesla, but elsewhere in the Elon verse, there was the aforementioned not a flamethrower from the boring company. So more just fun stuff from Elon and from Tesla. And it'll be interesting to see. How this stuff tastes, uh, you know. Don't, again, I don't think I'm going to open mine, but from other Tesla fans who are who actually know anything about tequila, I'll be curious to hear if it's a good tequila or not. But there you go. Uh, you know, I would suggest if you're interested in getting it, just you know, why not just check back on the shop.tesla.com. You know, just check in there once a day or so, and maybe some more. Hopefully, another batch will will be made available at some point because it went very quickly. All right, let's get on with the actual uh, more hardcore, hardcore, that's the the more uh, serious, I guess, Tesla news for the week. Starting with this, we have a new UI visualization coming uh, uh, not in the not-too-distant future. I obviously can't show it to you here on an audio podcast, but if you're picturing the Model 3 or Model Y's landscape-oriented screen, the left side of that screen now has uh, a larger display area, and the map, the right side of the screen, is a smaller space. So they've, they've uh, changed the ratios, the, the sort of screen real estate percentages of, of each side of the screen. So the driving visualization space is larger. I would say it's fair, I mean, I don't know exactly, I haven't like measured, but it, today it's probably about one-third on the left side with the driving visualization and two-thirds map. Now it looks more like about a a 60-40 with the map still having the larger size, Uh, but the the, the car render is much larger. So what's the other interesting bits on this are that little elements of the Cybertruck demo UI that we saw last, well, yeah, one year ago at the Cybertruck unveiling have made their way into this, such as uh, it shows a lot more detail on the car render itself of, of your car on that left side of the screen. And certainly there's the additional information that the full self-driving beta shows, if you've seen any of the videos of the FSD beta, such as you know, it shows it shows more cars on the screen, it shows more different, you know, different road elements. Plus, another just again little thing from the Cybertruck UI. 
the gear selector is now down the left rail, not, uh, uh, and then not all of the UI icons uh, down that left rail. So it's not quite full Cybertruck, which I thought was awesome, by the way. I love that they put everything on the left side, the, the left rail there, which was closest to the driver. Maybe we'll get to that point eventually, but uh, so the, the other little changes, the lightning battery icon that was on the left side of the screen now, you know, down at the bottom next to the camera button, uh, that is gone because it's a bit redundant. You can just press the battery icon to access the charging menu. Also, the top center Tesla T logo is gone too. You can find that through other means. Uh, there are also a handful of other smaller tweaks and rearrangements as well. For instance, a neat touch is that if you have a menu opened up on the screen, such as, you know, you just push the car menu to access all of the various, you know, the autopilots menu, the safety and security menu, all that stuff. That, of course, as it does now, it, it still covers the map. But now, if that is covered, your upcoming turn direction, your navigation uh, direction, your, your next turn, comes up in a small text window over on that left 40% of the screen where the driving visualization is now. So that's pretty cool. You will never completely obscure your driving, uh, your navigation guidance, which is pretty cool. So when I, when I did my show, my podcast after the Cybertruck reveal event about a year ago, I had wondered at the time if that UI, that demo UI, was going to be something of a preview of a future release. And it seems as though elements of it have indeed uh, made it into something that's going to see public release. I have to wonder now, it's just a question of when. I mean, it's, it's in the full self-driving beta. It's part of that. So I have to wonder, will all of that, the full self-driving uh, release, as well as this new UI be packaged up as a big version 11, a V11 release that is, of course, due in the, the middle to latter half of next month. It would certainly make sense on paper to do that. So we shall see. But there's, yeah, so there's more to look forward to with the FSD update besides just <laughs> that functionality. There's a pretty new visualization as well. Speaking of the Cybertruck, We've got some updates on it from Elon. First, I can offer a bit of hope for European reservation holders. You'll recall that a few times, most recently back at Battery Day, Elon has said that the Cybertruck would only be for North America as it wouldn't meet the regulatory requirements to be sold in Europe, and that as a result, Tesla might someday build a slightly smaller EU-compliant version of the Cybertruck, which has been nicknamed the Wolverine, at some point in time. Well, a Twitter user said this to Elon, quote, you know that most of us who have Cybertrucks on order in Europe don't want a mini me Wolverine Cybertruck and would gladly get extra certifications on our licenses to drive a full-sized one. Please don't assume otherwise getting extra certs is not a big deal. And Elon replied to this saying, quote, didn't realize that was possible no problem if there's a way to get the current Cybertruck design approved in Europe, end quote. So perhaps a glimmer of hope there for those of you in Europe who are interested in the Cybertruck. Now, granted, with all due respect, this is a random Twitter user, not any sort of European government official anywhere. And, and on the other side of it, Elon is simply responding off the cuff and basically just saying, hey, that'd be great if that's possible. So... If you're a European Cybertruck reservation holder, I wouldn't quite get my hopes up too high just yet, but a little more reason for optimism, perhaps. Also, speaking of Cybertruck, there is the design of the Cybertruck, which continues to get refined. Elon Musk tweeting, new design is better with many minor tweaks, even the small details matter. And then Elon was asked, Will Tesla show these revisions anytime soon? And Elon saying, quote, sure, maybe in a month or so. So, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's not hard news per se. It's, it's perfectly normal for the, at this phase of development, uh, to the best of my knowledge. I mean, I don't, I'm no car industry expert, but we're approximately one year out from production of the Cybertruck. So 
it makes a lot of sense for the design to, to be getting its sort of final smaller tweaks at this point. Now, as you may remember, when Elon filmed the Jay Leno's Garage episode early this year, he suggested to Jay Leno that the Cybertruck was going to get 5% smaller. He then walked that back on Twitter before the episode even aired. So at this point, though, I imagine the, cyber, the Franz and the team, including Elon at the, at the design studio, are really dialing in the design now at the millimeter level. I also, uh, I have to also wonder if the design studio team is starting to reluctantly design side view mirrors in the event that the NHTSA does not legally permit Tesla and obviously anyone else in the next year before the Cybertruck is due to go into production to sell a vehicle in, in North America, in America without side mirrors and, and instead to have cameras. I mean, I don't know enough about the process to know exactly when the design's going to have to be completely locked. But again, if we're about a year or so away from first deliveries, I have to imagine that the pencils down deadline is not too far away. Moving on this week, I have speculated fairly recently on this podcast about 5G getting into the Tesla fleet uh, at some point, certainly. And I believe I had hoped, I feel like I said something about that maybe it would make sense to start putting the 5G antennas and chips in in with the beginning of Cybertruck production, right? It's about a year from now. 5G is really starting to get out there this year. I mean, Android uh, has been rolling out 5G models all this year. iPhone is now doing it as well here with the iPhone 12. So uh, we've got our first hint of 5G with regard to Tesla. Our friend, the white hat hacker, Green the Only, has found evidence in the Tesla software code about 5G and Green tweeting, quote, hmm, 2020.44 also ships with a new firmware file, which happens to be Cypress Automotive 802.11ac Wi-Fi Bluetooth solution, currently shipping with a Broadcom BC, uh, BCM4349. Some additional breadcrumbs, Green notes, pointing at upcoming 5G modem support. Uh, and then there's the additional bandwidth usage monitoring that's been added and a curious mothership option to ask cars to collect hotspot info, hotspot may really appear in the foreseeable future. So breaking that down, again, both 5G and hotspot may be on the way into new build cars sooner rather than later. I mean, it's tough to tell from definitively from code in the software, right? But it's a good sign at the very least. And my hope is that it's going to be like when Tesla switched the fleet from 3G to 4G LTE in the new build cars, because what they did for the rest of the fleet that was already out there, you could upgrade. Back then, if you had a 3G car, it was $500, bottom line, installation and all, parts and labor, and Tesla service would upgrade you to the 4G chip. So I'm hoping that we'll all have the option, because everybody listening to this, we all have... 4G uh, at the most in our Teslas. Some of you out there probably do have 3G S's or I'm not sure if any Model X's made it out with 3G in them or not. I don't quite recall when the when the switchover was, but in any case, there are 3G Teslas out there and uh, a, a large percentage of the fleet because it's every Model 3 and every Model Y are uh, 4G cars. So I hope we are all given the option to upgrade to 5G at a relatively affordable price, which I think, I mean, I feel like 500 for the 3G to 4G, 4G upgrade was fair. And that's, that's, you know, it's not cheap, but it's not, you know, it's not crazy. Like, and, and it did make a difference in the car. I mean, and so in theory should 4G to 5G because 5G is supposed to be incredibly fast. So that would really download software updates to you a heck of a lot quicker as well as feeding you your map data, et cetera, et cetera. Also, uh, the other thing there, the hotspot, good news on that as well, because I know a lot of people have been looking for that option in their Teslas for many years. Next, 
double pane front windows, front row windows, so the, the front passenger, front driver and front passenger windows now showing up in Model 3s and Model Ys. So I will be very eager to find out the results of the inevitable head-to-head -head decibel level tests that somebody is going to run on the same roads with a, with a double pane 3 and a single pane 3 and then the same with the Y. Again, I... I obviously I adore my Model 3. I mean it is it's been it has exceeded all of my very high expectations, but it's not perfect. I've got, you know, little fit and finish build quality issues and one of the things that I do that that I would say is high on my list of those little things that I don't like is road noise. So, it'll be interesting to see uh, how much of a difference in that department the double pane front row windows, side windows, will uh, will make there. Meanwhile, remember the new headlights that Drive Tesla Canada first had a photo of a couple months ago? I had mentioned it to you at the time. Well, that same site, Drive Tesla Canada, now has a, a new photo of a Shanghai-built Model 3 also sporting them. So it does appear that the headlight change is happening after all. Now, they, they look the same. Uh, as far as the shape's the same, it's, they look about 95% the same. They've just got sort of a little extra cluster on the upper, so, upper part towards the outside of the car on either side. And if indeed this is a, a going to happen, as it, as it certainly seems to indicate that it is now, it's interesting that these new headlights did not make it into the quote-unquote official 2021 model year refresh package that we just got along with, you know, the slew of other changes. But I would guess it was probably a part supply issue. I would imagine that Tesla must have had a pretty large existing inventory of the original headlight design that they were and quite possibly still are working through. Because remember, that the headlights are one of the shared parts between the 3 and the Y, they are exactly the same. So I imagine the Tesla had placed a very large order from their supplier on those headlights and they, they may still be exhausting them everywhere except possibly at Tesla Shanghai. Uh, and the good news, of course, logically, if these headlights are starting to go into the Made in China Model 3s, History tells us that they will find their way into the Fremont-built cars sooner rather than later, whether it's going to be the 3 first and then the Y or, or vice versa or both at the same time remains to be seen. Next this week, well, Tesla continues to make money off of other auto manufacturers that need to meet the stricter European emission standards. The story was reported via Bloomberg, who writes... Honda Motor Company joined Fiat Chrysler Automobiles in pooling its fleet with Teslas to comply with emission standards for passenger cars in Europe this year. Honda was a newly uh, was newly added as of last week to a European Commission filing in which manufacturers declare their intent to jointly meet greenhouse gas emission standards. The Japanese automaker's entry into the other two companies' pooled fleet won't change the conditions of a three-year agreement Tesla uh, reached with Tesla in 2019, according to a Fiat Chrysler spokesperson. It's unclear how much money Honda is paying to join a pool populated by, of course, Tesla's all-electric fleet. Selling regulatory credits to other car makers has been a boon to the Model 3 maker, bringing in almost $1.2 billion of revenue this year. Well, the nice part about the recent trend in Tesla's financials, meaning uh, they're, of course, they continue to do better and better, is that once the time comes when other automakers no longer need to pay Tesla to pass their European emissions fleet-wide standards, and that time, that time will come at some point. And it, but it, when it does, Tesla won't need that money at the rate that they've been growing and succeeding over the past year, year and a half. But in the meantime, the apathy of other car makers with regard to electrifying their fleet is quite literally Tesla's gain. So good for them. A few more stories this week, lots to talk about. 
This is an interesting one, though it is a small sample size for now and shouldn't be taken as gospel, in my humble opinion, until more testing can be done. But the new lithium iron phosphate, or LFP, which is what you're going to hear it referred to as in this story, the LFP battery packs in the Made in China Model 3 Standard Range Plus appear to have some benefits over the nickel versions that go into the other variants of the Model 3. This report comes via Clean Technica, who I have to say did a really nice job in putting all this together. Real quick, before I do get into it, if you remember back to battery day, the LFP is going to be used for the cheaper cars. It does sacrifice energy density and power, but it's got other benefits such as, apparently, faster supercharging and the ability to charge all the way up without long-term battery health penalties. Here is, finally, an excerpt from Clean Technica's excellent piece on this. Quote, The original nickel-based battery, Tesla uh, version of the Tesla Model 3 Standard Range Plus, took about 62 minutes to go from 40% to 99% state of charge, while the LFP Standard Range Plus variant took just 42 minutes to get from 41, so about the same, to 99%. Although these SOCs at best represent approximately the second half of a typical charging session, the LFP nevertheless would seem to demonstrate a time saving of around a third. We recently saw that Tesla does recommend that the LFP Model 3 can habitually be charged to 100% full. This contrasts with guidance for the nickel pack, <laughs> nickel pack, like nickel pack, uh, which I don't know why, why that came to mind and why I said that which should, anyway, back to Clean Technica, which should ideally only be charged to 100% state of charge occasionally, such as for periodic cell balancing or immediately before long trips. For the nickel pack, habitual charging to a lower 80 to 90% level is considered better for the long-term pack life. So it seems that the LFP variant of the Model 3 is both designed to be regularly charged to close to 100% and is also capable of faster charging to 99% full compared to the nickel variant. This means that the LFP variant is ideal for those minority of EV owners who may not have access to a regular plug, either at home or work, and want a quick top-up to a, almost a full charge around once a week in order to cover your commute for the week. So uh, this is interesting. I, I don't know if, maybe, if side effect is the right term here, but I guess let's call it an interesting perk or characteristic of the LFP battery chemistry here, which I was not aware of. I mean, we know that Tesla has a few different battery chemistries in mind for the different vehicle classes in the fleet, as we learned at Battery Day. And now I have to say, I'm even more intrigued by those different battery chemistries as they will start to get into the various cars, the different models in the fleet over the next couple of years. So very cool stuff there. Two more quick things for you. I know I'm talking for a while here, but while we're talking about Tesla around the world, uh, here's some more good news out of Australia, which is already home, as you may very well be aware, to a massive, a, a physically massive and also massively successful Megapack battery installation. I want to thank listener Stephen McKeering for sending this story in, which was reported by Seven News Australia. Down in Australia, Victoria writes Seven News, will get the biggest Tesla battery in the Southern Hemisphere, which the state government claims will boost the power supply and uh, will boost the power supply and drive down electricity prices. Construction of the battery will create more than 85 jobs and it is expected to be ready by the summer of 21, uh, 2021-2022. Remember, their seasons are the opposite of ours, so that would effectively be, you know, think like December kind of time frame. The uh, So, in other words, December 2021. The 300-megawatt battery will be installed near the Moorabool, pardon me if I'm mispronouncing that, Australian friends, terminal station just outside Geelong. The big, ba quote, the big battery will help protect our network in summer, create jobs, and drive down energy prices, as well as supporting our recovery from the coronavirus pandemic, says the Minister for Energy, Environment, and Climate Change, named Lily D'Ambrosio, in a statement. Uh, and she continues, quote, Victoria is embracing new technologies, 
that will unlock more renewable energy projects than ever before, delivering clean, cheap, reliable power to all Victorians." End quote. Well, the first installation, Megapack installation in Southern Australia, is again already, very, very quickly became a huge success by uh, quite literally every metric. So it's really great to see that success lead to more big scale clean energy projects like this, which is of course for Tesla, it's great. It's more big business for them as well. So good stuff out of Australia. Finally, before I get to the Ride the Lightning hotline and your wonderful phone calls, which I've got plenty of queued up for this week, just a couple of quick notes if any of these help you. I upgraded, I was pushed a new software update today, 2020.44.10.1. Got into my car today and I happen to be out uh, running a couple of errands. And I, I wanted to say I noticed a few oddities in here. And I wanted to pass these along just in case they are of any of these three things that I'm about to say might help you. Number one, I guess this isn't really a helpful thing, but it's more of a keep an eye on this thing. So you can now go into your audio settings and you can select the number of media sources the car will display, such as Spotify, TuneIn, Slacker, FM radio, etc. So if you don't if you just never use one or more of those, you can uncheck it and it'll just kind of uh, tidy up your media interface a little bit. But that's not the interesting part. What's interesting is that on that screen, if you go in there, it's after you get this update, which you probably are getting it now, since if I got it today, that means by the time you hear this, it's probably rolling out pretty wide. So that screen says that you can select up to seven media sources to display However, on that very screen, right underneath that text where it says you can select up to seven, there are only six sources in the car right now. So the fact that they're saying up to seven would seem to suggest that Tesla is planning on adding a number more, like more than just one, because we already knew about title. That was from Battery Day. That came up in the Q&A at Battery Day. We know title is coming. That would make seven. So it sounds like there are more media options planned even after that. So keep an eye out there. Now the two uh, tips, I guess, uh, just bits of side effects from this this uh, software update that I wanted to mention. A new one of the new uh, features of 44.10 is a new autopilot speed setting option was added, and uh, I even though I didn't select it it messed with the settings that I had set that I was happy with. I noticed when I got on the freeway and threw it into autopilot, as I always do, it was not. It was no longer going to uh, plus eight over the speed limit. I had to go back in and, and change it because it's defaulting to the new setting. So just FYI, you might, if you want to keep your, if you don't want to use the new autopilot speed setting and you want to use the one that you've got already now, uh, you'll need to probably go back and set what you had before. Also, the dash cam viewer, at least this is in my car, maybe this is just a bug for me, I don't know, but my dash cam viewer was no longer there at the top of the screen, it was gone. So when I, uh, I went into the safety and security menu, which is where it lives, and it wouldn't even, the, the format USB drive option was grayed out, even though I have a drive, my, uh, I've got my pure Tesla drive in there. So I, un I unplugged it, plugged it back in, nothing. Did that a couple more times. And after two or three tries, that seemed to fix it. So it's now recognizing my, my drive again, and I can use the dash cam viewer and save clips. So keep an eye out for that after you upgrade to this 44.10 as well. Hopefully it won't affect you. Hopefully this was just some weird thing that just a bug that bit me, but something to be on the lookout for sure, because you do want your dash cam to be functioning properly at all times. All right, that is enough yapping from me. That is about 34 minutes of chatter. <laughs> so lots to cover this week. It was a busy week. 
let's move on though. Right after this, we'll get to the aforementioned Ride the Lightning Hotline. You guys sent in a ton of great calls this week, so I'll do those right after a word from my friends at Teslab. Well, from me, from my friends at Teslab. Before I move on with the podcast, a big thank you to Teslab for once again sponsoring Ride the Lightning. Now, to remind you what Teslab is all about, it's basically like a fitness tracker for your car, like a Tesla version of a Fitbit or an Apple Watch. Teslab is an incredibly useful app that complements your Tesla ownership experience by helping you see and understand exactly how your vehicle is performing well beyond what the car shows you. And I'm extra proud to have them sponsoring the show again because they have kicked off a fantastic new initiative that I am really, really excited about. There is a new feature in Teslab that calculates the CO2 emissions of your charging sessions. It actually reads from your local utility to determine where the energy is coming from and then calculates your carbon impact. But that's not the awesome part. The really great part of this is that Teslab is partnering with One Tree Planted to allow you to offset the carbon impact of your energy usage if you so choose. It works by choosing the level you want to offset and then submitting payment. You can do this on an ongoing basis or just as a one-time thing. Once your order goes through, they send the funds to One Tree Planted, which helps with reforestation and thus offsetting your carbon impact. So if you're like me and want to make sure you're living as sustainably as possible, check out teslab.app slash RTL to learn more. It's free to sign up and you can start planting trees as soon as your first charge. And remember that the Teslab app is free to use for life, but you can upgrade to a pro account for the price of a coffee and get way more out of it. Check it out. That's teslab.app slash RTL, T-E-Z-L-A-B dot A-P-P slash R-T-L. If you've got a Tesla question, comment, or discussion topic, I would love to hear from you. You can give me a ring in one of two easy ways. Either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software, record your question, please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less, and email that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com, or you can take that same 90 second or less call and dial up and leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline itself. It's a toll-free call, 1-888-989-8752. That number one more time, 1-888-989-TSLA. And hey, if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they are special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. Real quick, before I get started with the calls, a, a friendly reminder, the November Patreon-exclusive bonus episode is up. That's where all the wonderful extra phone calls that I don't have time to get to on the regular weekly show go into their own special episode for the Patreon crew, the folks backing me on there, which I sincerely appreciate. It's my little thank you to you guys. The following listeners have their calls uh, that are on that special episode. So if you hear your name right now and you're not backing me on Patreon already, please feel free to email me. Again, it's teslapodcast at gmail.com. And I would be happy to give you a free download token for that episode so you can hear your response to your call. I would, I would, never, I would never hold it hostage from you uh, in exchange for your money. That's, that's not how I work. So... Richard from Toronto, Eric from Naperville, Clay from Denver, Pat in Austin, Mac from Maryland, Christian from Orange County, Joey from Ohio, Matt from Atlanta, Bill from upstate New York, Mike from Grand Rapids, Michigan, Lee from Sacramento, and Joe from Seattle. I uh, Feel free to reach out if you need a download token to hear your answer. Anyway, let's roll here. Jared from Seattle commenting on the full self-driving beta. Go ahead, Jared. Hi, Ryan and the Ride the Lightning community. Ryan, thank you for all you do for us, and thanks for cranking out these great episodes. I wanted to comment on the full self-driving beta. My expectations were high going into the release last week, given Elon's comments that it would be a noticeable improvement. Watching the videos on YouTube and Twitter over the past week, the FSD capabilities have way exceeded my already high expectations. See, usually 
this early in a machine learning system, you can see like a nugget of magic and the promise of the potential, but there are some clearly obvious repeatable cases that break the model and significant training is necessary to get to a consistently high quality experience. I've observed this in my work in the software industry many times. Um, now, FSD so far is clearly not perfect. There were certainly some examples that required user intervention to truly avoid an accident, um, but it's incredibly capable and incredibly consistent this early on. That's important given that this is a system that has life or death consequences, but nonetheless, it's really very, very impressive. I'm super excited to see how this evolves. It's already learning super quickly. Examples like uh, slowing down for speed bumps weren't there a week ago, and I'm seeing them on videos today. So I just can't wait to see what's next, and I'm very impressed with what Tesla and the team have done. Jared, thank you very much for your perspective as a software engineer here. Yes, Elon has said that updates will come once or twice a week, and he has uh, made good on his word on that so far. They will be iterating very rapidly here, which is great. I mean, that's what you want to see. And they are certainly getting the ammo to work with thanks to the testers who are using it out in the wild. I'm going to say right now to anybody on the autopilot team who may be listening, I dare you to send it to me here in San Francisco. Uh, I'm mostly joking because, you know, uh, second thoughts, you know, I, I don't, the San Francisco's, uh, as I said, I think a week or two ago, it's a, a rough place. I'm not saying it's better or worse than anywhere else. Like I'm not trying to make it a competition, but San Francisco is a tough driving city. And, uh, Maybe I don't want my car to, to hit anything in full self-driving beta mode in this uh, in this crazy driver's city that I call home. But I am, I will say, I'm, I'm really eager to see that beta, whether, you know, I, I guess I probably won't see it until everybody else does in December. But it's going to be really, really cool to fire that thing up for the first time. Let me go to Aaron from Brownsburg up next, also on the topic of full self-driving. Go ahead, Aaron. Hi, Ryan. This is Aaron calling from Brownsburg. I'm calling with some thoughts about the idea of transferring the full self-driving package from one car to another. Uh, I like the idea. Uh, I think it's pretty straightforward if you're trading it into Tesla. Um, if you're selling to another person, though, or another dealer that's not Tesla, I think that provides uh, makes things more complicated. Like, what if the one buyer thinks they're getting the car with full self-driving and you're really transferring it to your new car so they buy it and now all of a sudden it's gone. I think that just makes the sale more complicated and that could be why Tesla doesn't want to get involved with that. Uh, I'm sure there's some kind of solution that could come up with if they wanted to though. But anyway, that's all. Thanks for the podcast. Really enjoy it. Aaron, thanks for your call. Yeah, the bottom line on this issue is that it's not going to go away. Tesla is a smart tech company. Other tech companies have figured this out. People are making a reasonable request uh, to want to transfer their full self-driving package to a new car if they're upgrading in exchange for staying loyal to Tesla. I mean, it's really that simple. I mean, nobody's asking for it to happen for free. A, you know, a reasonable transfer fee or, or maybe a discount off of the new car's full self-driving package would be fair, I think. I mean, I've said this a million times before, but Tesla has, in my humble opinion, done right by their customers more often than not. So as such, I do have confidence. I genuinely have confidence that in time, they are going to come up with a reasonable solution to this as the price of full self-driving continues to increase. Thank you, Aaron. Josh from Niagara Falls, Canada is next. Go ahead, Josh. Hey, Ryan, it's Josh from Niagara Falls, Canada, calling about the charging options for the RoboTaxi slash FSD. What are your thoughts if Tesla was to crowdsource the plug-in and out at superchargers? They know when other cars are en route to the charger or are currently at the charger and can maybe send a message to that car asking to either plug in or unplug the self-driving car and maybe in return give you free supercharging miles. Maybe 25 miles for every plug-in or unplug. Then maybe just put the charging snakes in more remote locations. That would help with the cost of deploying the snakes, maintenance, potential problems with weather or unforeseen problems. I appreciate you do all you do for the Tesla community and the consistency you bring every week. Look forward to hearing your thoughts. 
Hey Josh, thanks for calling in. Well, this idea has come up before, and I think it is a good one. I suspect you would find plenty of willing volunteers to assist with that, since in my experience, as I've said on the podcast before, uh, the Tesla community is a wonderful, collaborative, and supportive place. That's one of the, again, I talked, what did I say at the top of the show, one of the thousand reasons I love Tesla. This is one of them. Uh, the, the community has just been incredible. I mean, I, I confess I don't have a lot of experience in, in many other car communities other than the, the DeLorean community, which is also awesome. But the Tesla community has just been so wonderful. So uh, I do have every confidence there. And, and certainly if the reward is sufficient, and I believe what you've proposed is just that, that would certainly seem to, uh, that would, that would be a good proposal to solve the, the situation. The only hole in that plan, I think, comes from more remote areas where there just might not be anyone there to, to, to handle that, particularly if the car is traveling in the middle of the night. Now, then again, maybe that wouldn't really be an issue in the robo-taxi scenario, since presumably the robo-taxi fleets would primarily really only be operating in major cities anyway, where there are pretty much always going to be people at superchargers. So thank you, Josh. It's going to be really interesting to see how Tesla ends up handling this. Adam from Portland, Oregon is up next. Go ahead, Adam. Hey, Ryan. It's Adam here again from Portland, Oregon. Uh, I'm calling in regard to your Cybertruck comments last week's episode 274 and the firmware. So first off, you had mentioned something about towing capacity. Uh, I have a Model 3 dual motor, and I actually also own an Alta electric dirt bike. And I have a small trailer that I tow behind my Model 3 with that. And I usually get about 75, or excuse me, 70% range on that when I'm towing the trailer. Um, in regards to the Cybertruck and its firmware, one of the things that I think Tesla's is going to be going after is the four-wheel drive community in general. And if you're not familiar with that, uh, people will actually buy old Jeeps, for example, and they'll put uh, different transmissions and gear ratios in it so they can be rock crawlers. They can go really slow up hills and have massive amounts of torque, but they're not very quick. And I think that's one of the things that they're talking about in the firmware that they're going to be able to do. You'll be able to hit a button on it and turn the Cybertruck in, into rock crawler mode, which will give it a quote-unquote different gear ratio uh, if it had gears. But, and then it'll also soften up the suspension and make it like a, a Baja truck type suspension. And so there's going to be lots of little things like that. I'm super stoked uh, to get myself into a Cybertruck next year. Um, I'll be able to plug in and charge my dirt bike in the back of the bed of the truck instead of having to bring a generator with me when I go out camping now. So pretty stoked. Anyway, thanks. Take care. Thanks, Adam. I confess I know nothing about the truck world. I'm learning. And I'm let alone, I definitely don't know anything about the four-wheel drive community. So I do appreciate you educating me a little bit. You make good points that a rock crawler mode could totally be one of the tricks up the Cybertruck sleeve. And as you point out, the electric nature of the Cybertruck's powertrain could lend itself really well to that kind of functionality. So good stuff, Adam. I appreciate your call. Let me go to David in Virginia up next. Hey, Ryan. David here in Virginia. Following up on a caller from episode 274 where he was suggesting that a uh, Tesla could be incentivized or motivated to install hardware three in a uh, older model three, despite the owner having not purchased full self driving. And he listed a couple of reasons talking about the dojo training and the robo taxi service and all that. And uh, I think I, I think I agree with your take on it that um, it's probably not in the best interest of Tesla. I mean, they're ramping up production. They're making so many more vehicles per quarter with the hardware three and the camera visualization software to provide enough data for the dojo system. But also I thought I heard him mention that he wasn't planning on buying full self-driving, but thought it would be beneficial for his vehicle for the robo taxi fleet. And I thought it worth mentioning that that that's not my understanding of how the program is going to work. Like if the whole reason the value of full self-driving is going up as they continue to re reach uh, full completion of the software 
is because of the added value of RoboTaxi in that if you haven't purchased full self-driving, you're not going to be able to send your car out to work on your behalf. Uh, the point is for you to have made that upfront investment and then you can recoup it through the RoboTaxi. But if you haven't made the purchase, they're not going to enable the software for you to add it to the fleet. Um, unless maybe they decide, oh, you can provide it, but all the income will go to Tesla and not none to you, but then you're footing the bill for the energy. So I'm not sure how that would be a good idea at all. So just want to throw that out there, clear up any confusion that may have uh, been amongst the listeners, that if you want to be in the robo-taxi fleet, you're going to need to buy full self-driving. Take care. Love the podcast. Thanks. You are correct, David. Thank you for bringing that up just to help clarify it for everyone. You will need to purchase the full self-driving package in order to put your car in the robo-taxi fleet. I mean, in that respect, it is an investment. I mean, I wonder how much Tesla is going to be charging for the full self-driving package by the time the robo-taxi is actually ready to roll out. Although, at least, the good news is, no matter what that price actually ends up being, at the point that RoboTaxi is ready to roll, the monthly subscription option will be in place because we're expecting that next year. Even if, you know, as of today, we don't know the price of that just yet. I mean, I've seen folks in the community speculate anywhere from one to $200 per month on that. I think I would lean toward the, the higher end of that. I think it's probably going to be $150 to $200 that's my personal guess, but obviously it is just a guess. We shall see. A couple more calls for this week. Blaine in Houston. Hey, Ryan, it's Blaine in Houston. Just reaching out because I uh, just got the update. Uh, software version 2020.44. It's got lots of improvements to Spotify, one of which being podcasts. And so now there's a couple different ways that we can listen to Ride the Lightning from the convenience of our Tesla. Spotify, TuneIn, and even YouTube while we're supercharging. Have a great day, Ryan. Keep up the great work. Love the show. Blaine, thank you so much. I am always happy to have more ways and easier ways to listen to this podcast, particularly in your Tesla. Uh, I'm pretty sure you need a Spotify premium account to use it in the car. I took a look at it today after listening to your call. I am not currently a Spotify Premium member myself, but I, if you wouldn't mind, I would love if you could email me a screenshot of Ride the Lightning in Spotify in the car. I would love to see it. If you get a chance sometime, no big deal, obviously. But I also appreciate you letting others know that it's in there uh, in the car for them if they'd like to listen to this podcast that way. Because, you know, again, the more options, the merrier. And uh, I know a lot of people use Spotify out there. So cheers, Blaine. Uh, one more call for this week. Let's go to Steve from Virginia. Hey, Ryan, this is Steve from Virginia. Really enjoy your podcast and listening for a long time. Um, I am a Model Y uh, rear wheel drive order holder. I ordered way back on March 14th, 2019 when they came out. I was hoping to hear an update. Um, being as the original release schedule had fall 2020 available for the rear-wheel drive. Wanted to know if you knew anything more about that. Thanks. Enjoy the podcast. Hey, Steve. Unfortunately, there is nothing new on that front just yet. Uh, you heard the seven-seater update a couple of episodes ago, but I have to presume, now don't quote me on this, but this is just me trying to look at this like putting myself in a Tesla company brain situation. I have to guess that they are not going to tweak the production line any more than they already are from adding the seven seater this quarter. And in fact, it's supposed to be in fact the seven seater is supposed to go into production like right now as, as we're, as you're listening to this, as I'm recording this, they had said early November with the, or they've said November with the first, Deliveries in early December was the last update we got from Elon, so we'll see. But uh, anyway, that is to say, because of that, I think the rear-wheel drive model probably won't come out until next year, You know, hopefully the first quarter, but I just doubt, based on Tesla's history of always keeping production as simplified as possible, I just don't see them introducing two major new variants into the production line 
here in the last two months of the year. Uh, although, you know, the other thing too I would add, just supporting my own potential argument there, is Q4 is always good. That's always the strongest quarter for Tesla for a lot of automakers. Q1 isn't. Q1 is always the tough one. So it would it would seem to make more sense to introduce the rear-wheel drive variant in Q1 when they know they'll have some pent-up demand for that, such as yourself, to help goose the traditionally slow Q1 numbers. So that would be my logical guess based on everything I just said. But um, by the way, shout out as well. Mike from Los Angeles called in also asking about the single motor Model Y. So Mike, I hope that my answer helped you in some way as well. Well, thanks to all of you who called in. Keep those calls coming. I love this part of the show. It's super fun for me. So we'll do it again next week. But in the meantime, I'm going to come right back, do your pro tip of the week, and then uh, just about wrap things up. So stay tuned for that right after this. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117. You're listening to Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. You know, that Cybertruck looks a lot like a warthog, doesn't it? Master Chief, out. Hey, how about a quick game recommendation, video game recommendation, before I do the pro tip of the week? I mentioned The Mandalorian last week, and I'm going back to the well on Star Wars this week with a recommendation for Star Wars Squadrons. It's available on Xbox One, PlayStation 4, or PC, including, by the way, VR on PC, which I am... I would love to try out at some point. That seems like a really good game for it because it is a space combat game. You you play as from both both sides of the conflict, so you're flying X-wings, uh, Y-wings, you know the, the whole uh, Tie fighters, the whole nine yards. It is the closest thing that we have gotten to an X-wing versus Tie fighter spiritual successor, and it's really good. There's a there's a short-ish but excellent single-player campaign in there, plus uh, some large-scale multiplayer battles as well. So. If you are a Star Wars fan looking for a fix of a space combat game, which we really haven't gotten, I mean, there's a little bit of it within Battlefield 2, excuse me, Battlefront 2, but uh, yeah, Star Wars Squadrons, good stuff. All right, Mitch from Marin County has our pro tip of the week. Go ahead, Mitch. Hi, Ryan, it's Mitch from Marin County. Hey, you know, you had a, somebody's had a tip for parking your car in a tight garage. Best way is to hang something like a tennis ball. ball. That size tennis ball works great. And the string exactly where the front of your car should touch when it's parked perfectly. It's a piece of cake to just drive into where the hood or something or a windshield touches the uh, touches the ball. It's a piece of cake. Very easy. Thanks. Take care. Bye. A classic proven technique, Mitch. Thank you so much for sharing this for anyone. It's possible. I know, but there are people out there who have never heard that or just needed a friendly reminder. The old, the old tennis ball on the string trick works really well for not smacking your car into the back of the garage. It's, I mean, I, sorry, I don't mean to laugh like it, like it happens. I, I've done it in, uh, not this, not the Tesla, thankfully, and not this house, but yeah, I've done it. So tennis ball on the string trick, it works. Thank you, Mitch. If you've got a pro tip of the week, something interesting about your car that you have discovered or heard about that's uh, maybe not obvious or not covered in the manual, I'd love for you to share it with me and the rest of the Tesla community. So send it my way the same way that you call in on the hotline, either you know emailing in or calling the toll-free hotline number. All right, before I get out of here, I wanted to mention some friends of the podcast. Of course, abstractocean.com, the Costco of Tesla aftermarket accessories. Aisles and aisles of great stuff at great prices. Use the coupon code RTLPODCAST, all one word, no space in there. RTLPODCAST at checkout, and that's going to get you 15% off of your order. They've got the rear footwell lighting kits, which are probably especially awesome, I would say, in the Model Y because the seats are on risers, so you really kind of get a nice little, you know, that's that's usable space down there for feet or for sliding things under, so, uh, but it works with the three as well. Rear footwell lighting kit, the drop-in cup holder stabilizer, 
You've got the tempered glass screen protectors, the center console wrap kits, the TESLA, T, yeah, spelled it right, <laughs> TESLA style lettering that you can put on the back of your Model 3. I've seen some people with that one. That looks really nice on the Model 3. I, I really like the look of that. So all that and much, much more, abstractocean.com. Meanwhile, there is puretesla.com slash RTL. Mentioned uh, the dash cam, little, little uh, minor <laughs> problem I encountered with the update. But fixed it, no problem. My Pure Tesla kit is working just fine again. So go to puretesla.com slash RTL if you'd like to order their one-stop shop dash cam slash sentry mode kit that is SD card based rather than USB based, much more reliable, also much uh, just a larger file sizes or larger capacity, I should say. 140 uh, 128 gigabytes for $49 or 256 gigabytes for $69 comes fully formatted, ready to go out of the package. They ship free anywhere in the U S or for a moderate fee to ship worldwide. Find them at puretesla.com slash RTL. Meanwhile, Jada there continue to rock with their products. The Jada wireless charging pad is available for the model three and the USB hub which adds a bunch of extra USB ports, including some USB-C ports and a cool hidden dummy door to hide your, your uh, pure Tesla dash cam kit inside. They've got that for the three and for the Y. So you've got three great products there, which uh, if, if either or both might apply to you, check them out and use the coupon code ride the lightning to get $10 off of your order. So if you are interested in any of that, please use my referral link to get it. Go to getjada.com slash R-E-F slash eight. And Jada spelled J-E-D-A. Uh, what else? Ah, Immaculate Reflections, of course, taking wonderful care of me and my car over these two years and all the various trials and tribulations that my car has been through. The paint protection film has saved me repeatedly. And by repeatedly, I don't mean twice, not just the minimal definition. It has saved me a good three or four times documented. Uh, I love my paint protection film, and I love the craftsmanship of the work that Immaculate Reflections does. You look at my car, you pretty much can't even tell, unless you're real up close and looking close, that my car has uh, film on it. It is just a just great, great work by Immaculate Reflections. So whether you want to do paint protection film, either some or all of the car, or you want to do uh, ceramic coating, or you want to do paint correction, or some combination of those, get in touch with Jeff at Immaculate Reflections via his website, irdetailing.com. Mention that you're a listener of this podcast, and you will get a discount. There is a, a nice discount waiting for you be by nature of you listening to this show. That will about wrap it up. Other than that, let me mention the Patreon. I, uh, you know, I try to be humble about it, but I know I, you got to get the word out or else nobody will ever, uh, ever hear about it or contribute. So uh, a lot of work does go into this podcast, which I hope is obvious when you listen to it. And I'm here. I'm very proud to say I'm here every single week, like clockwork. You can set your watch to the, to the release of this podcast. So uh, if you are willing and able in these strange economic times, you know, it's, it's not easy right now, but uh, if you're able to throw some support my way on a monthly basis via Patreon, I would sincerely appreciate it. Again, they did also just add the annual option. So you can pay for a year at once and you'll get a 5% discount on that year if you do that. And then you'll get the perks all year round for whichever tier you've signed up at. So the base tier, $5 per month, which is what? That's a cup of coffee or less. That'll get you early access to each week's episode, as well as a group Google Hangout in your first month to, to chat and hang out with your fellow Tesla fans and Ride the Lightning listeners. So anyway, uh, if you are feeling so kind as to visit my Patreon page and maybe consider a pledge, you can find it at patreon.com slash tesla podcast patreon spelled p-a-t-r-e-o-n and that will about wrap it up again you can find me on twitter 
and Instagram, same handle, DMC underscore Ryan. And then my email address, once again, is teslapodcast at gmail.com. And with that, let me just thank the Maximum Plaid and Plaid level supporters. They get many perks, including their names shouted out at the end of each episode. My newest Maximum Plaid backer, Daniel Grummer. Daniel, thank you so much for upgrading to that new Maximum Plaid tier. And then the rest of the Maximum Plaid backers, Pete White, Danny Nelson, Jonathan Wales, Fernando Cordero, Sean Neidig, and Cameron Clark. And then the Plaid crew, uh, much love to all of you as well. George Cassiopo, David Brander, Alexi Heft, Logan Willis, Robert Maracle, Jason Chalukas, Joe Edgel, Tim Hyde, Lawton from Chicago. By the way, Lawton, so great to finally put the face to the voice uh, on that on that uh, monthly Google Hangout last month. That or this month, I guess it was just what last week. It was great to to finally uh, meet you face to face. Peter Chalet, David Vakil, Ulrich Lassa, Luke A., Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, Jerry and Mary Smith, Lyle Austin, Joel Sapp, Dory and Steve Guberman, Daniel Grummer. Oh, I mentioned Daniel already because he upgraded. I could scratch him out of this tier because he's in the next tier. Jeremy, Jer- uh, Tesla owners Taiwan, Jeremy Harris, Ron Lee, John Cody, Charlie Gillespie, Kaz Barnes, Neil Weaver, David Perella, Sunil Joseph, Dennis Peak. Will Stedman, Evie Tricity UK, Stig Mickey Jensen, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, Richard Folkers, Trenton from Myrtle Beach, The Lydia Family, Michael Regal, Mark Eversole, Ish, Chris Beach, Aaron Altschul, Steve Radspinner, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Seth Capello, Jamie Dalton, Noel and Lucy Murphy, my friend on Twitter, at Rodam, Nick and Tony, Tesla Hitchhiker 42, John Schmidt, Eric St. Pierre, and Steve Drumheller. Thank you all so very much for your very generous and continued support. For a very passed out puppy over there, Daisy the Boxer, I am, of course, Ryan McCaffrey. I cannot thank you all enough for your time and your attention and your support, whether it's on Patreon or you're just listening each and every week. I really appreciate it. This is a wonderful community, as I said earlier in the show. I love being a part of it. After 275 episodes, I'm just getting warmed up. Uh, I am happy to be here. I feel uh, very blessed and and grateful to be a part of the Tesla community and to have all of you uh, wonderful folks as listeners. I mean, I started this five plus years ago with zero listeners and now just built it into its own just wonderful, supportive little little community. We're just uh, it's awesome. I love I love that you're all with me. And I appreciate it. And let's get out there and have some happy electric motoring. And I will see you all back here next week. I mean, I think... A Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make... It's it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.